Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church, brothers and sisters. Today we have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson is Kingdom Ambassadors, brothers and sisters. Kingdom Ambassadors. Today, brothers and sisters, we will go through a litany of literature. A litany of scriptures to prove what Christ's followers, his disciples, you and I, brothers and sisters, have to be aware of. How do we move, brothers and sisters? How are we most effective, brothers and sisters? What is the purpose, brothers and sisters? Why? Because many people do not have the truth that you're hearing, that you find, you know, on our uh, on our channel, brothers and sisters. So the Most High saw fit for you to have the information understanding that 99% of your family and friends have no clue that they're in the dark. So that means a huge responsibility comes with this treasure that you have found, brothers and sisters. And we're going to find out today, how am I most effective with this treasure? We're going to John in the gospel, the 17th chapter, the third verse, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. John 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Christ, whom thou hast sent. Look at the beginning of the text, brothers and sisters. And this is life eternal. And this is life eternal. What's life eternal? That they might know thee, the only true God. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Christ described eternal life as knowing the most high. And guess what? To know is not casual familiarity, but a personal intimacy. See that? Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Christ, whom thou hast sent. So this knowledge involves spiritual submission to the Most High, brothers and sisters. The life in which salvation consists is rooted in knowledge. See that? You see that? He said, this is eternal life that they may know the most high. Because if you don't know, if you don't know the most high, then guess what? There's no way possible that you can have salvation. There's no way possible that you can have life eternal. Many people don't even know the most high's name, brothers and sisters. The most high's name, according to the Torah, according to Moses, according to Exodus 3, 14 and 15, the most high said his name was I am. And when you look at that word I am in the Hebrew, that's Ahaya. A-H-A-Y-A-H, brothers and sisters, Ahaya, which means I am. His name is Ahaya Ashar Ahaya in the ancient Phoenician Hebrew. Because remember, there was no English at that time. So his name couldn't have been I am. I am is the translation of what was there, brothers and sisters. So the first thing you may want to know is his name, right? Because in Hebrew, the word name it actually means being, brothers and sisters. So you name a thing what it actually is in Hebrew. So when somebody had a name in Hebrew, it actually was the meaning of a thing, brothers and sisters. So, and we, you know, we'll go into that. We'll have something thorough on just strictly names. But we wanted to show you, according to Christ, eternal life begins with knowledge. And not only just knowledge, but true knowledge. That means, that insinuates there's some false knowledge out there. We're going to go into it today, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Isaiah, brother. We're going to go to Isaiah, 
We're going to the, the Tanakh, Isaiah, the 55th chapter, the 8th and 9th verse. Because remember, John said what? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Christ whom thou hast sent. So what did Isaiah say? Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here it is, brothers and sisters. This text does what? It emphasizes how vitally important it is to remember who God is and who we are. See? Because remember, John said what? What did John say? Or what did Christ say in John? He said that eternal life is true knowledge of the Most High. Well, if you're going to know the Most High, this is the first thing you must know. Let's read that again, brother. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. That's the first thing you must know. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we don't naturally possess comprehension of the Most High. That means we must pursue his mind. You don't know, because many people think they know the Most High, but haven't studied the Most High. That's impossible. That's impossible. You have to actually go study the Most High in order to know the Most High. We cannot know him without making a concerted effort to understand him. And see, that's my rift with Christians. Christians don't study the Bible, let alone read it. But they think they know the Most High. That is a fallacy. That is a miscalculation that's ever, uh, that would prove to be flagrant and heinous. It would prove to be negligent, brothers and sisters. Christ and John said eternal life is what? It's knowing the Most High. And Isaiah said, know this. If you're going to know the Most High, know that your thoughts are not His. Meaning what? You have to go pursue His mind. <laughs> Let us show you. Let's go to Isaiah 59 and 7. Because remember, he said, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Let us see. Let's go to Isaiah 59, verse 7 through 10. Isaiah 59, verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their past. So Isaiah highlights the results of ignorance concerning the Most High. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their past. See, so this text highlights our natural proclivity to pursue wickedness. This is why in chapter 55, he said, Your ways are not my ways. His ways are as high as the heavens. And this is why. Look at verse 8, brothers and sisters. Verse 8. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their, their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. So look at this. We lack peace. Why? Because it can only be obtained through righteousness, brothers and sisters. See? So the first text said, what was that? Verse 7 said, you know, a naturally, uh, excuse me, a, a naturally unrestrained mind is instinctively magnetized towards iniquity. And verse 8 said, what, Brother Joshua? Isaiah 59 and 8. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. 
They have made them crooked paths. What did they make them? Crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Crooked paths, brothers and sisters. In such paths, there, there is neither nor can be any peace. Brothers and sisters. What's verse 9 say, brother? Verse 9. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. So, brothers and sisters, our enemies are left unpunished on account of our many transgressions. It said, read verse 9 one more time, brother, please. Verse 9. Therefore is judgment far from us. Judgment is far from us. That means people are able to go against us and oppress us without God's judgment. Verse 10. Verse 9, brother. I want to read. Verse 9, therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. Neither do justice overtake us. That means the people that are actually going against us, there's no justice for that. Why, brothers and sisters? Continue, brother. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. So we're waiting for redemption. We're waiting for them to be held accountable. For brightness. We'll wait for brightness. But we walk in darkness. But we continue to walk in darkness. What's verse 10 saying, Brother Joshua? Isaiah 59 and 10. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. Mm. We are in desolate places as dead men. Look at that, brothers and sisters. We remember as children, you come into the room that's dark. You you hold on to the wall because you, you don't know where you're at. You know you can follow the, the outline of the wall. He said you're groping for the wall like the blind, operating like you have no eyes. He said you're stumbling in noonday as is, as is in the night. So he's telling you that, listen, you should be able to see clearly, <laughs> but you cannot. Why? Because your natural mind, brothers and sisters, your natural mind is already been pre-programmed to do what? To conform to a world that is meant to destroy you, brothers and sisters. See? So remember, Christ said what? Christ said in John 17 and 3 that eternal life was knowledge of the Most High. And then Isaiah followed that up by saying what? He said, well, this you should know first. This is chief amongst what you should know. And that's his ways are not your ways, okay? His ways are not my ways. Why? Because we grope for the wall like the blind, brothers and sisters. So here it is. We're kingdom ambassadors. If we're going to be kingdom ambassadors, we must first know our true state. This is our true state, our unconverted state. Let's go to Job 22 and 21, brothers and sisters. Kingdom ambassadors. We're going to read verse 21 through 28, brothers and sisters. Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. And be where? Be at peace. So the author tells us to procure an interest in the Most High to be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. So look at that, brothers and sisters. If you acquaint yourself with him, not only do you find peace, but good shall come unto thee. See that? So we have to acquaint ourselves with him. That's what we plan on doing today. Can you read that again, Brother Joshua? Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. 
receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth. Receive what? The law from his mouth. And lay up his words in thine heart. So law is our greatest friend, brothers and sisters. Let it influence our secret thoughts and actions. He's saying, in order to acquaint yourself with me, you have to know my law. <laughs> See? So when people say you don't have to follow the law, you know they don't know the Most High. You think the Most High went through all of this to sustain the, the, the record to, you know, to sustain the record thousands of years later to tell you you don't have to follow it? See? They don't know the Most High. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 22. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacle. So secure friendship with the Most High, becoming truly acquainted with him through what? Through submission. See? Could you read 23 again, brother? Because it's telling you how do we become reconciled with the Most High. Verse 23. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. You shall be elevated if you come to him. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacle. Thy tabernacle, your temple, brothers and sisters. In order to return to him and be built up, you have to put away iniquity. Now, brothers and sisters, iniquity is what? It's invisible sin. It's sin that you actually can't see. Iniquity is what goes on inside, like thoughts of murder, thoughts of lust. See, that's iniquity. Why? Because I cannot see what's going on inside of you. <laughs> it's thoughts of sin, like envy, jealousy. You see that? Continue, brother, please. Verse 24. Then shall thou lay up gold as dust, mm. and the gold of of Bayer as the stones of the brooks. Look at that. He said, what happens then, brother? Read 24 again. Verse 24. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust. Gold shall be like dust. <laughs> and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. So now he begins to catalog the benefits of such reconciliation. Verse 25. Yeah, the Almighty shall be thy defense. And thou shalt have plenty of silver. So here it is. He's saying, reconciliation, get to know me. I will be your defense. See? There can be no peace while you maintain a warfare with God. So he said, be reconciled to me. Right? You'll have plenty of silver. Gold will be as dust unto you. And I will be your defense. See this? Let's read 25 again, brother, please. Verse 25. The Almighty shall be thy defense. And thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face on the God. So here it is. Blessings at his hands instead of sufferings, brothers and sisters. Rewards instead of punishments. Verse 27. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also... Decree a thing. Read that part again, brother. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. See? So we're reading the most exquisite picture of blessings, consequent of his acquaintance. See? This is what we this is why we share the word, brothers and sisters, with our family, with our friends, with our co-workers, because these are the benefits of being acquainted with him. See, it doesn't help us out at all. 
we don't benefit anything at all for you to follow the Most High. Right? It only benefits you. We love you. Therefore, we try to bring forth the information to get you acquainted with the Creator. Because why? Christians are not acquainted with the Creator. Christians don't even know what day to go to church, let alone, you know, the Most High's name. So, brothers and sisters, we are going to get acquainted today. Kingdom ambassadors. Let's go to 1 Chronicles, brother. Staying in the Old Testament. We're going to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. 1 Chronicles 28 and 9. And thou, Solomon my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the God searches all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. So, brothers and sisters, we're reading the duty and the advantage of knowing and serving the God of our fathers. Did you see that? This is the God of our fathers. Buddha is not the God of our fathers. Allah is not the God of our fathers. Okay? None of those other uh, lesser gods is the big G. Read 9 one more time, brother, please. Verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Serve him with what, brother? A perfect heart and a willing mind. Look at that, because this is the only condition in which men can render true service unto the Most High. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart. No, with half your heart. A perfect heart. No, with 5% of your heart. A perfect heart. Integrity of heart is indispensable in all who would properly serve the Most High. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. So according to this text, brothers and sisters, the imagination must be restrained. Do you see that? See? Our minds must be trained for service to the Most High. Here we learn wisdom. Excuse me. Here we learn whom we are to seek and how we are to seek him, brothers and sisters. We're to seek the God of our fathers. How? With the perfect and willing mind, with our imaginations restrained. See? Because how can you be an ambassador, brothers and sisters? You have to understand what an ambassador is. An ambassador is someone who goes to a foreign land and represents the home country, brothers and sisters. So if we're from, let's hypothetically say, Jerusalem, and I send somebody from Jerusalem to Iran, what does an ambassador do? An ambassador goes to Iran and does what brings the culture there. So we're the ambassadors. Why? Because we came from the heavens. He sent us to earth to do what? To bring forth his culture, to set forth his government, his laws. That's what an ambassador is. Look it up by definition, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Isaiah, brother Joshua. We're going to go to Isaiah, the 44th chapter. We're going to have brother Joshua read the third verse. Isaiah 44, verse 3. Remember, he said, with a willing mind and a perfect heart. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon that 
upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit onto thy seed, and my blessings upon thine offspring. Now, this is critical, brothers and sisters, because remember, the text previously said you must have a willing mind and a perfect heart. Why? Because the heart must be open to the Spirit's influence or God's blessings cannot be received. Look at it again. Verse 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. No, I'll pour it on all people. On him that is thirsty. Only those who are thirsty can receive it. See, brothers and sisters, if you don't thirst for the Most High, you cannot receive this. See? Because some people are half-hearted. They're lukewarm. He's saying, I only pour my spirit out on those who are thirsty for me. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 3. For I will pour, pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thy offspring. So look at that, brothers and sisters. See? One cannot pour water into a cup that is already full. So you first must understand your inadequacy. See? You must understand that naturally, you're naturally inclined, according to Jeremiah 17 and 9, to do evil. You don't know what's right until you come to the Father. I don't know what's right. I learned what's right from the Bible. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. Brothers and sisters, and we're showing you, we first had to do what? Understand that the Most High is not on my level. Is not on our level. He's on a completely different level. We're way beneath Him in every way, including our knowledge. And He said, I will pour out my blessings on you. I will pour out my spirit on you if you're thirsty. Are you thirsty, brothers and sisters? Are you thirsty for the Most High? Because, sisters, you know how it is when a brother is thirsty, right? How he's chasing you and pursuing you all over. He hitting you up when he get when he get off work, when he going to sleep, when he get up in the morning. What you doing? Where you at? When we going out? Exactly. The Most High is saying you better pursue me that way. The same way you pursue that woman. Sisters do the same thing. The same way you pursue that brother. You pursue the Most High. Let's go to Proverbs 23 and 7, brothers and sisters. Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, the 7th verse. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, said he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Look at this. Can you read it again, brother? Verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are that which we are inwardly. Brothers and sisters, a man's, excuse me, a man's innermost thoughts is the true index of his character. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, said he to thee. What did he say? Eat and drink, said he to thee. But his heart is not with thee. <laughs> Look at that, because it's telling you he is not the man of his mouth, but of the heart, which is discovered by his actions. Because why? He said, eat and drink. That's what he said. But his heart wasn't there. <laughs> He's not the man of his mouth. He's the man of his heart. You see that? See? We are not to judge a man by his words, but the course of his life, according to this text right here. As he thinketh in his heart. So that's why you have to change the way you think. See? You can change your action and stop eating pork and all this stuff. But if you don't change how you think, 
you really have not transformed. You're putting on a good show. You're an actor right now. You deserve a Grammy or, or whatever the ones they get for acting. See? Let's go to Psalms 19 and 7. I'm going to go to Psalms uh, 19 and 7. One second, brothers and sisters. I actually want to pull up something here. Let me pull up the, the Hebrew here. We're going to go into our Strong's Concordance, brothers and sisters. I want anyone who learned from our church, they know about a Strong's Concordance. It's what scholars use, brothers and sisters. I need you to, I need you to get that out. Brothers and sisters, go to your Google, type in Psalms, the 19th chapter, Strong's Concordance, and then pull it up. Or just pull out your Strong's Concordance, because we have it before us. Every scholar ought to know how to... Number one, they ought to know what a strong concordance is and then how to operate using it, brothers and sisters. A strong concordance is the original translation in conjunction with the definition of each word in the Bible before it was in English. So here it is. We're at Psalms 19 and 7. We're going to have Brother Joshua read that. Psalms 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul... The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now look at this, brothers and sisters, because it says you need his law to convert the soul. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Doing what? Making wise the simple. Doing what? Making wise the simple. Now I need you to look at this word simple, brothers and sisters. It says the law makes you... Uh, it says the law makes you um, wise, converting the simple. When you look at this, brothers and sisters, <laughs> the Hebrew word for simple has the meaning of open-minded. See? So this person is gullible and will believe anything. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? It's the Hebrew number 6601. And it tells you the definition is foolish or open-minded. Naivete. <laughs> see? It says it makes wise who the the foolish or the open-minded, see the easily seduced. So it's telling you his mind is open to even thoughts and images that should be rejected. See that's what the Bible is. That's what the Bible does. That's what his law does. You see that? Read that one more time, brother, please. Psalms nineteen verse seven: The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. See, making wise the simple, the naive, the open-minded. You see that? Why? Because the simple accepts what pollutes his soul. The law does that. The law tells you, okay, well, that's wrong. I'm not even going to let my mind go there. See? The simple, the foolish, the open-minded, they let, they let thoughts just come and go in their mind. No way to control it. Say, well, I really can't control my mind. What? The Bible is telling you those who do that meditation and open their minds up, they're simpletons, according to, to Psalms 19 and 7. Because that's what they tell you. They say, well, listen, sit like this and, you know, chant this on and just open your mind. Just open your mind up. <laughs> that's how you get possessed. Brothers and sisters, you're going to open your mind up. Something will come in, all right? So it's telling you that's 
A simpleton would do that. Only a simpleton would cast off restraint of their mind. See? The law does what? The law puts a barrier, a defense around your mind where certain things can't get in. You need that. <laughs> Without that, you will be destroyed, brothers and sisters. You will be destroyed, especially a man. It said the law of the Lord is, is perfect, doing what? Converting a soul. Everything in the book is 100% accurate and authentic. And it does what? It makes wise of a simpleton. The person who knew nothing become wiser than the teachers. See? Now, why did we go there? We went there to show you the only way to get to know the Most High God is through his word, through his law. <laughs> so for a Christian to say, well, no, nah, we don't have to follow the law. <laughs> hold up. Hold up now. According to the Bible, you're a simpleton and you don't know the Most High at all. And there's a judgment for that ignorance also. We're not going to allow our brothers and sisters to be ignorant any longer. The pastors, the, the, the Christian pastors are going to be shut down. Our brothers and sisters are not going to those churches because they're getting nothing but lies. We're in this case because of what? Because we don't know the most high. Brother Joshua, let's go to the Apographer. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother. Follow us to the book of Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach in the Greek. We're going to Ecclesiasticus, the sixth chapter, the 37th verse. Ecclesiasticus 6, verse 37. Let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord and meditate continually in his commandments. <laughs> Look at this, because Ecclesiasticus is telling us what? The battle for the soul takes place in the mind. Remember, the, the scripture in Psalms 19 said that a, only a simpleton will open up his mind to every thought. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 37. Let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord and meditate continually in his commandments. In what? Meditate continually in his commandments. He shall establish thine heart and give thee wisdom at thy own desire. So in order to control your mind, you must control your consciousness, brothers and sisters. You see that? How do you control your consciousness? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 37. Let thy mind be upon the ordinance of the Lord and meditate continually in his commandments. Meditate sometimes. Continually. In his commandments. See? So, look at that. In order to control your mind, you control your conscience. And how do you do that? Continual thought, brothers and sisters. You see? Continual meditation is how we groom our conscience to maturity. You see? Now, for Christians and people who say you don't have to follow the law, it said in order for you to groom your conscience properly, you have to meditate continually on his commandments. But for Christians are saying, well, we don't have to follow the commandments. You see how dangerous that is, brothers and sisters? With repetition, we can reprogram our subconscious mind. That's when you've changed. It's not your conscious mind. It's your subconscious mind, which means you just do things without thinking about it. Do the right things. Your mind just goes to certain principles in the Bible without you actually having to open up the Bible. Your mind starts to work that way, brothers and sisters. See, that's when you've changed. That's why the, the book, the Proverbs said what? As he thinketh in his heart, his heart is referring to his subconscious mind. See? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother, 39 and 1. 
because today's title is Kingdom Ambassadors, and that that has a lot of responsibility for you and I, brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua and I have made it our mission to help educate our people on what is needed to take that next step. Ecclesiasticus 39, verse 1. But he that giveth his mind to the law of the Most High, and is occupied in the meditation thereof, will seek out the wisdom of all the ancient, and be occupied in prophecies. Brothers and sisters, we are the sum total of our most dominating or most prominent thoughts. What do you think about most? Because that's who you are. 95% of our behavior is run by our subconscious mind. And the Bible knows that knows this. This is why he's trying to help you. The author's trying to help you here. Can you read it again, brother? Verse 1. But he that giveth his mind to the law of the Most High, and is occupied in the meditation thereof, will seek out the wisdom of all the ancient, and be occupied in prophecy. So why is they, why is um why is this verse, the 39th chapter, the first verse, putting the focus on the mind? Because the mind is the generating station of our thoughts. See, so it begins in your mind. Read the next scripture, brother. He will keep the sayings of the reowned men, renowned men. Yes. And where subtle parables are, he will be there also. Now look at that. We're learning that to control your mind, you have to consciously stabilize your thoughts. See, read verse 1 one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus 39, verse 1. But he that giveth his mind to the law of the Most High. Now that's the key. That's what you do consciously. You make it a point to go into the scriptures. And is occupied in the meditation thereof, will seek out the wisdom of all the ancient and be occupied in prophecies. This is how you retrain your mind. This is how you give your mind to the Most High. You seek out the wisdom of the ancient. Who are the ancient? Moses, David, Daniel, Ezekiel. And find yourself occupied in those prophecies. Continue, brother. Verse 2. He will keep the sayings of the renowned men. And where subtle parables are, he will be there also. Now, it's also telling us that, you know, we have, this is how we control our consciousness. Brothers and sisters, why? Because a mind that is not controlled by consciousness is exposed to danger. So the author is telling us, give your mind to the most high. How do we know that you've given your mind to the most high? Because your actions will dictate that. Because if you've given your mind to him, you're seeking out the wisdom of the Bible. You're preoccupied in prophecies. See? And it said, keeping the sayings of renowned men. What renowned men? The, the prophets. All throughout the Bible. Proverbs, you know, Solomon, Saul, uh, you know, David, Moses, all these people. See, if you've given your mind over to study that, learn that, then guess what? It says keep the sayings. That means live it out. Now you begin to live out, you know, uh, the sayings of our forefathers. So we're retraining now. We're reprogramming now, brothers and sisters. Let's go to. Ecclesiasticus 5 and 2. We're standing in the Apographer. Ecclesiasticus 5 verse 2. Follow not thine own mind and thy strength to walk in the ways of thy heart. And say not, who shall control me for my works? For the Lord will surely revenge thy pride. Brothers and sisters, I really need you to examine the first verse here. 
Excuse me, the second verse. Verse 2. Follow not thine own mind and thy strength to walk in the ways of thy heart. The author understood how influential the heart is and how we live. See, that's why, he's, that's why he dropped it like that. He said, follow not your own mind <laughs> to walk in the ways of your heart. See? So the author knows the natural orientation of human thought is what? It's warped in sin. See that? Read that one more time, brother, please. From one? Uh, verse two, please. Ecclesiasticus 5, verse 2. Follow not thine own mind and thy strength to walk in the ways of thy heart. And say not, who shall control me for my works? For the Lord will surely revenge my pride. So he said, don't follow your own mind, your own strength. Don't follow your own heart. Because why? Our natural nature exists in the state of death, of separation from the Most High God. What does the, the author here know that you do not, that you and I do not? I think he knows Jeremiah 17 and 9. I think that's what he knows, brothers and sisters, where he said, don't follow your own heart. Why is he saying, don't follow my own heart? Jeremiah 17 and 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. What did he know? The heart is deceitful above all things. Mm. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? See? So the Bible discloses the seat of man's problems as being his heart. Our hearts are unfathomably co corrupt and deceptive, according to Jeremiah, brothers and sisters. And guess what? The author tells us that we cannot be trusted to tell ourselves the truth. As long as you believe that your heart will tell you the truth outside of his word, you will be destroyed because you trust yourself. You cannot trust yourself. You cannot trust your heart unless you can... Unless you can validate what you're saying or what your heart is saying with God's word. How many times has your heart lied to you, brothers, sisters? How many times has your heart said, I, I can't live without this. I can't live without that. I can't live without him or her. The heart will lie. The heart is not to lead. It's to be led. And many people are being led by their heart. Dangerous. That's a dangerous, dangerous plan. Let's go to Romans, brother. Let's go to Paul. See what Paul has to say for us. Romans, the seventh chapter, the 22nd through the 25th verse. Romans 7, verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. What did that say? For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So he's saying our spirits find pleasure in purity. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members. Uh-oh. So he said, listen, my spirit, <laughs> my spirit delights in the law. It wants to do the right thing. But what does 23 say? But I see another law in my members. Oh, my members, my body. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into, the cap into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So here it is. Paul's dropping it because he said, my, my spirit loves or it pleasures itself in purity, but our flesh forcibly demands compliance with his lust. So he's giving you both sides of it here. Let's start at 22 again, brother. 
Verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So the only deliverance from this internal conflict is through death. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm having this war going on. My, my spirit and my flesh, are, they want different things. And how can I stop fighting this battle? Only through death, brothers and sisters. Only through death. Verse 25. I thank God through Christ our, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So to win the war within, we must understand the magnitude of the inner conflict. Brothers and sisters, these are what? These are birth pains of a regenerated spirit. Your flesh and your spirit will fight until you take your last breath. Right? And through Christ, what? Through the law, through Christ showing us how to follow the law, it will help keep that, that, you know, that part of my flesh in subjection. Because why? Christ brought the spirit of the law. See, our people didn't understand the spirit. They only saw the letter, which was what was written, written on the paper. But that wasn't enough to help us fight. You needed the spirit, the principle of what the law was bringing to you. Christ brought that. But if you think, you know, you're going to get baptized or... You find out you're an Israelite or something like that and know about the Sabbath and then it becomes easier. Your flesh is, you know, your flesh is tranquilized now. Absolutely not. This will be a daily battle every day of your life. You can never let your guard down. This is a battle every day. Your mind against your flesh. No matter how many scriptures you know. No matter how many scriptures you know. Because here it is. We're reading Paul. Paul wrote the majority of the Bible, brothers and sisters. Let me show you. Paul, what did Paul say in verse 23, brother? What did the author of the Bible say? Romans 7, verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So, what about you? <laughs> That's the author of the Bible saying, listen, there's a war going all in my loins. There's a, there's a war going on within my members. And he wrote the Bible. So you would be, you know, that would be, that would be a miscalculation on your part to say you don't have this problem. We all have this problem. And guess what? Paul knew he was an Israelite his whole life. See? So you knowing you're an Israelite or being baptized, Jew or Gentile, is not going to help having to, you know, Crucify your flesh every day. It has to be done. It has to be done. Let's go to Romans 8 and 6. Because Paul is dropping it. Romans 8 verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Paul is describing the difference in fleshly living and living by the spirit. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Read, read verse 6 one more time, brother, please. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. It's what? Death. This is the awful state of the carnal mind. 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's what, brother? Life and peace. The mind possessed by the spirit finds life and peace, brothers and sisters. So guess what? Look at what Paul's dropping. Paul highlights that mentality determines destination. <laughs> he said to be carnally minded, that ends in death. To be spiritually minded, that gets peace in life. See, so mentality makes all the difference. See that? Read the next scripture, please, brother. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Enmity doesn't mean an enemy, brothers and sisters. Enmity means, uh, it means hostility. That can never, hostility that can never be erased. So it's telling you the carnal mind will always be hostile against God no matter what. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now look at that. Because the mind set on only serving self is not capable of submitting to the Most High. That's what verse 7 is telling you. Read that again, brother, slowly, please. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It said it can't even be subjected. Continue. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Look at that. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Deficient of submission, it is impossible to gratify the Creator. It's impossible. They that are in the flesh cannot please the Most High. So it starts with the mentality. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then Paul dropped it and said, here, listen, your mentality will either lead you to death or to life. Attitude determines altitude, brothers and sisters. That's Paul dropping that. Kingdom ambassadors. Let's go to John 17 and 15, brother. Let's go back to the gospel. John, the 17th chapter, the 15th verse. John 17, verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Read that one more time, brother, please. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So this is Christ speaking about us, his ambassadors, brothers and sisters. Why? Because if he removed us, he would be removing from the world its greatest blessings. See, so Christians, I don't know what Christians are dealing with where they're saying they're going to be raptured up into the sky. God's going to take them from the earth and put them up in the sky somewhere. Listen, he needs us here to do what we're doing. See, read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world. But thou shouldest keep them from the evil. See, so he needs us to contribute to the spiritual benefit of others. He's saying, I can't take you out of the world. You have to stay in the world, but you need to know how to operate. You need to know how to maneuver. So, brothers and sisters, we still may find ourselves around sinners occasionally. You're not going to be in a secluded area with only believers. Why? Because you're supposed to be fishing. You're supposed to be fishing. See? That's what we're supposed to be doing, brothers and sisters. Our marching orders are to operate in the world without being influenced. That's what Christ was dropping here, brothers and sisters. Not to take us out of the world, but to keep us from the evil. Allow us to operate without being influenced by evil. 
That's what he needs from his ambassadors, the ambassadors for Christ, the ambassadors of the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Romans 12 and 2. Romans 12 verse 2. Because remember, the scripture said he's not going to take us out of the world, but he wanted us to be uh, safe from the influence of evil. Verse 2. But be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul focuses on an inward renewal, telling us to abandon the pursuit of pleasures, brothers and sisters. See, because here it is. John said what? Or Christ said in John, I don't pray that, you know, the most high take you out of the earth. I need you to be on earth. I need you to be amongst the sinners and do what? And influence them. So Paul said, in order to do this, okay, in order to do this, this is what has to happen. Let's read verse two again, brother. Verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the consequences of this conformity is the destruction of all spirituality, brothers and sisters. Paul here, he urges us to be transformed from the inside out. That's the key. Because many of our people, even Israelites, we don't transform from the inside out. We start immediately dealing with the outside. And anyone who's followed our church for years, you know, for any level of time, understands that we deal with, of course, doctrine, which is the core principles of Christ's teaching. We deal with the laws, yes, but you notice we deal more so with the inside, with the moral, with the morality. See, many Israelites don't do that. They just want to talk about the law. Don't eat this and don't do that. Wear this and don't wear that. That's good, but Christ made it abundantly clear to me that the most important thing is the inside. Because that's really who you are. You can have on a, you know, you can have fringes to the ground. You can have a beard to your foot. If you have not been cleansed inside, then you really have not changed. You will sleep with a brother's wife. Sister, you will sleep with a, a sister's husband. Just because you have on a dress, just because you're modestly dressed or have a head covering doesn't mean you've changed. So our church, we focus on not only the law. Not only the doctrine, not only the prophecy, but we spend a lot of time on the inside, on the interior. Because that's how you change. Let's read it one more time, brother. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By what? The renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Will of God. See, so the inward renewal is the necessity for what? External conversion. You see that, brothers and sisters? In order to, to be ambassadors, you have to first be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's telling you that the transformation comes from the mind. <laughs> Remember, Paul said what? He said your mentality will either be what? Will be death or life and peace. So Paul knew this. Paul knew that your mind, he knew it was through your mind that you would be able to win this battle. 
That's why we talked about the subconscious mind, the meditation on God's word. Are you seeing this, brothers and sisters, what we're dealing with here? This is going to be a battle. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Some more Paul, since Christians like Paul. Second Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ, as through God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Read that again, brother. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Who? Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So the primary responsibility, excuse me, the primary responsibility of an ambassador is to accurately represent and advocate for their home country's goals while abroad, brothers and sisters. So the ambassador's role is to reflect the position of who gave them the authority. You understand that, brothers and sisters? When you have ambassadors from China living in America, they represent China even though they're in America. Brothers and sisters, everything an ambassador does must intentionally represent a leader who isn't physically present, brothers and sisters. See, so this, this is the most important scripture right here. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. See, we're ambassadors for Christ, okay? So he's telling you that we pray for you in Christ's stead. So listen, we're reflecting Christ, <laughs> okay? People should be able to learn Christ from me. They should be able to look at Christ and see how Christ lived by looking at you and I. Why? Because we're his ambassadors, brothers and sisters. Reputation. Ambassadors should live lives that are above suspicion, Go look at the definition for ambassador. Look in the secular dictionary. An ambassador is someone from a foreign territory that represents, you know, some level of authority. So for brothers and sisters who live in Babylon, excuse me, who live in America, if, if you worked for the government and the government sent you to live in China and said, okay, represent America there, okay? Bring over the culture, bring over the foods, Bring over the ideology and the theology. Represent America in China. That's an ambassador, brothers and sisters. We represent Christ. We represent the kingdom. To do what? We're trying to help people be reconciled to the Most High. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4 and 1. 1 Corinthians Fourth chapter, the first and second verse. First Corinthians four, verse one. Let a man so account of us, as of the ministers of Christ. As what, brother? The ministers of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. So Paul wants us to be perceived as the distributors of the gospel, brothers and sisters. Look at it again. Let a man so account of us, as the ministers of Christ. And stewards of the mysteries of God. A steward is someone who manages something that does not belong to him, brothers and sisters. So he said, I want people to think of you as the ministers of Christ. 
as stewards of God's mysteries, meaning the mysteries don't belong to you, but you're in control of them. You're in control of disseminating it. Continue, brother. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. See, so integrity and fidelity are required as indispensable and cardinal virtues. Brothers and sisters. Proving that our lifestyle has a direct correlation with our effectiveness. He said, if you're going to be an ambassador of Christ, know two things. Know what you represent in verse 1 and know what the requirement of is. Can you read those two scriptures again, brother? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God, Moreover, it is required in stewards... What's the requirement? ...that a man be found faithful. So those who carry the gospel must conduct themselves with honor and nobility. Brothers and sisters. See this? We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are kingdom ambassadors. He said, guess what? He wants people to look at you, brothers and sisters, as what? As a steward of God's word. A steward of God's mysteries. And in order for that to happen, you must be found faithful. See, faithful to who? The most high meaning. Just like in a regular relationship, you're committed to your wife or to your husband, right? And everything you should do should be with that commitment in the front forefront of your mind, right? So if a woman starts doing certain things, her husband going to come and say, well, hold on. I mean, you're embarrassing me out here. You represent me, but you, you got your chest pushed up to your nose up in here. See? Or a brother out there, you know, being too friendly in all this with, with sisters out there, you know. They're like, well, hold on. You represent me here, okay? So you can't, you can't play both sides of the fence here. Guess what? If you play both sides of the fence, guess who owns that fence? The fence belongs to Satan. See? Because many people, they play both sides of that and say, well, listen, I'm just in the middle. I'm just hanging on the fence. I'm not submitting to the Most High, but I'm definitely not going over to Satan. And Satan is like, that fence belongs to me. That's on my property. <laughs> that, you think you're on the fence. No, the fence, that whole fence line belonged to me. See that, <laughs> brothers and sisters? So if you're going to be a steward, you must understand. You must understand what the requirement is. We've been going through the requirements since the beginning of the lesson, brothers and sisters, let us show you. Well, actually, let's read that one more time. Brother. First Corinthians four, <clears throat> verse one. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. So people should look at you as a minister of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So someone who handles God's word. Moreover, it is required in stewards. What's required, brother? That a man be found faithful. That a what? A man be found faithful. See, so you must know your reputation matters. What people know you for matters. A person who doesn't care what good people think is not an ambassador for Christ. They're nobody. See? We're not saying you got to care what everyone thinks, but you should care what good men and women think about you. Why? Because if you have no care about that, then you have no care about Christ's reputation. Let us show you. Let's go to Proverbs 22 and 1. Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, the first verse. 
Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The respect of others is an asset we should pursue with great zeal, brothers and sisters. Did you see what the author was dropping here? What did he say? Verse 1. A good name rather to be chosen than great riches. Than what? Than great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. See? So a pristine reputation is a requirement to effectively influence any territory, brothers and sisters. You said a good name is will work better for you than what? Than great riches. See? Loving favor <laughs> will be worth more than silver and gold. So you have to understand that. You must care what people think of or their reputation of a kingdom ambassador. Because there's no way that people can think of you as a thief, a liar, and a drunk, and then want you to break down the Bible for them. It doesn't work. <laughs> and anyone who thinks like that, well, listen, I should be able to do all this stuff. I still know the Bible. I'm still breaking down the prophecies. You are naive and a simpleton. If you think your life and how you're conducting your life has nothing to do with whether people want to hear from you or believe you, okay? It does matter what you do in your private life because what you're doing in private determines if I trust what you're saying publicly. Publicly. So I hate when, you know, when I dislike when people say, well, that's my private life and all that. Listen, brother, <laughs> okay? People care about your private life if you're doing the work because it's your private life that determines to them if they trust what you're saying publicly. Okay? So be the same person in private that you are in public if you're going to be an ambassador. What others think of us is a far more accurate perception than what we think of ourselves. So you should care what other people think. In fact, ask them. Because how they're viewing you is much more accurate than how you're viewing yourself every time. Every time. We're blinded by our own perception sometimes, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Philippians 2 and 15, because we're talking about the reputation now of a kingdom ambassador. Philippians 2 and 15. Philippians 2, verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So look at this. How to conduct ourselves as ambassadors for Christ. That's what this text is dropping. Can you read it again? Verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. Without what? Without rebuke. So it said, it's telling us to pursue conduct that acquires us the freedom from what? From criticism. It says without rebuke. That means live a life where a person can't come and point and say... Brother, look at this. You an ambassador for Christ? Sister, look at this. This is an ambassador for Christ. <laughs> so he said that you're blameless, okay? Harmless, without rebuke. Operate. Why? Operate in a way when a person cannot point to something. Because guess what? When you show them something, they're going to attack your faith and say, See? This is exactly who I knew you was. See? You was faking. That's the first thing they're going to do. So you can't give them that opportunity, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time, brother. Verse 15. 
that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. In the midst of crooked and perverse nations. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. See, so it's telling you, even when you're amongst sinners, even when you're amongst the evil, the wicked, the perverse, you have to shine like a light. See? Live in such a way that those outside of Christ could not rightfully condemn us. See that, brothers and sisters? You can't, because you're around certain people, lower your standards. You have to, you have to stay in the sky. Never come down to the ground based on who you're around, brothers and sisters. They have to come up. You're not coming down. He's telling you, you're going to be amongst evil and wicked people. I need you to still continue to be blameless, harmless, without rebuke. Shine like a light in the world. Why? Because you represent Christ. We have Christ's jerseys on. Just like people play for the Dallas Cowboys and all this. No, we play for Christ's ambassadors. That's who we play for. I got my jersey on. So anywhere I go, right, when they see that jersey, they know I'm a part of that team. Understand that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Titus, brother, because we're going to give some examples. We're going to Titus 2 and 7. Let's go to some examples, brothers and sisters. Ambassadors and examples. Titus 2, verse 7. In all things show thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine show uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. If you examine verse 7 closely, we are instructed to live as examples in two general areas. Good works and doctrine. So not merely teaching, but show them by example how they ought to live. Look at it again, brothers and sisters. Titus 2 verse 7. In all things, show thyself a pattern of good works. A pattern of good works. And doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That what? That cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed. That what, brother? That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Mm. <laughs> Look at that, brothers and sisters. Embody integrity and dignity because that inspires the respect from others, brothers and sisters. Here it was. Paul commands us to utilize speech that's far beyond criticism. See that? Paul highlights the importance of communication as what? As an ambassador, brothers and sisters. So look at that closely. He's given the example there. Read those two scriptures one more time, brother, please. Titus 2, verse 7. In all things show thyself a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. So you have to make sure your doctrine is on point, brothers and sisters. Okay, you have to teach the doctrine of Christ. You must be sincere. It must be uncorrupt. But in conjunction with the doctrine, what's the next part, brother? Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Look at that. Our speech should be pure and free from all corruption, brothers and sisters. See, this is what you have to beware of. 
It's that sound speech that a person cannot point to your words and say, you're supposed to be a man of God. You're supposed to be an ambassador with that filthy mouth on you. See, and they can't do that. So they're ashamed. They can't find anything, even though they may not like you. They can't point to anything. <laughs> so they just have to they have to hide that hate for you. <laughs> See, you want people, even if they hate you, to be a, to have so much respect that they can't even show it. You see that? Because why? If they showed evil or hatred towards you, everyone else would be against them. Like, how you hate that brother? What that brother do? See? That's why it says that they would be ashamed. So he's dropping it here. He's dropping it, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ephesians 4 and 29. Because we're learning about kingdom ambassador, being a kingdom ambassador. Ephesians 4. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the, the hearer. So unsavory speech will tranquilize our effectiveness as kingdom ambassadors, brothers and sisters. Paul admonishes us to recognize the power that unprofitable speech carries. You see that? Can, can read that one more time, brother. Ephesians 4 and 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. See that, brothers and sisters? Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. He said, don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth. Only things that can be used to the edifying of Christ. That what? The hearers of it may learn. So without the potency of words, many will use them, excuse me, without knowing the potency of words, many will use them recklessly. So Paul wanted to make sure you knew the gravity of certain words and certain speech. Because it does determine how people view you. You can't just be saying all types of stuff, you know, <laughs> speaking like somebody of the world and then say, well, yeah, brother, I don't eat pork because it's in the Bible. Yeah, it is in the Bible, but you can't really expect a person to want to hear you. You see, brothers and sisters? So we're just keeping it real here. All of this stuff, from a person to trust you and want to learn about God from you, it's not just the doctrine that you're teaching, it's your whole life. And many people don't care enough. They don't care enough. They'll show you the scripture. But if I have to change my life so you'll, so you'll learn, I'm not doing that. <laughs> people don't care that much. They know the truth, but they, they don't care enough to change. Not for you or for anyone else, brothers and sisters. But you have to understand if you're going to be an ambassador, you represent him at all times. It's just like if you're part of the government, Right? The people who are part of the government have to operate a certain way because anytime, anytime they do something wrong or unsavory, what happens? The blogs pick it up, right? So you have to operate. You're a superstar and anything a superstar does that may be unquestionable, it will be disseminated. It will be publicized and published all over, brothers and sisters. So you have to know this. Let's go to Timothy, brother. First Timothy, that is. We're staying in the New Testament. First Timothy 4 and 11. 
1 Timothy 4, verse 11. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now look at that. Because <clears throat> Paul issued a great reminder to us to set an example in all that we do and say, brothers and sisters. Could you read that from the top, brother? Verse 11. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. So the position of ambassador comes with a code of conduct. What is the code of conduct? Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So a good ambassador must, must be entirely grounded in ethical and moral judgment. See? Be persistent in pursuance for the acquisition of the highest level of piety. Let no man despise his youth. Be an example so it doesn't matter how old you are. How young you may be. You be an example because I know many young brothers in the truth who are more mature than people that's 10 years older than them. They're showing them how they should be acting. <laughs> See? And there's something going on with our community where older brothers are trying to act 21. Dressing like a 21-year-old and all of this. Talking like a 21-year-old. I'm like, brother... You're 45. Take off the fubu. Put on some slacks. <laughs> Something is going on. Because why? The elder of our nation have to show the youth that it's okay to get older. And I'm being serious now. We need the older generations to show the youth it's okay to get older. It's, a, it's okay to get old. It's okay. We need our sisters to act their age and stop trying to compete with teenagers. Stop trying to compete with 21-year-olds. Okay? Show a young girl that how to grow and become seasoned. With what? With flavor. Let's go to Proverbs, brother. 13 and 17. Proverbs 13, verse 17. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. Read that one more time, brother. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. So faithfulness and integrity are required characteristics for an ambassador, brothers and sisters. If you look at it close... It's giving you some great gems here because if an ambassador is faithful in the delivery of his message, it will consequently bring healing to many. See that? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 17. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief. He does what? Falleth into mischief. So a messenger who, do, who does not serve his embassy faithfully receives the penalty of his faithlessness. Verse 18. No, verse 17. Yeah. Verse 17. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief. See, he falls in the mischief. But a faithful ambassador is helped. See, a faithful ambassador is like healing medicine to a deathly ill patient. See that? 
So if you're wicked, you're a wicked messenger or an ambassador. See, it didn't even call, it used the word messenger instead of ambassador. <laughs> because if you're wicked, you can't have that term ambassador. You're just a wicked messenger. <laughs> and you're going to fall into trouble. You're going to fall into mischief. But a faithful ambassador is health. So you make people want to become followers of Christ. See? So it's showing you, guess what? You can bring health to people if you're faithful to your position, if you're faithful in your service. This is very important, brothers and sisters, because many people think they can just know some truth and not change their life, be smoking all types of marijuana, four five blunts and spliffs and drinking all, you know, all types of alcohol and stuff. And then go amongst their family and say, well, yeah, let me show you John 3.16. Let me show you Exodus 20 and 8. Yeah, the scriptures, you know it, but your life does not match. So I don't want anything you have. If whatever you're reading has you acting like that, I don't want it. And that's the key. You have to give up your life. You have to give up your life. Pick up the cross. He said, a man who loves his life will lose it. But a man who sacrifices his life, all the things you want to do. That's what's going to be needed, brothers and sisters, to bring truth into a dark world. Let's go to Matthew 23, brother. Let's go to the gospel. Matthew, the 23rd chapter, the first through the third verse. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then spake Christ to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So Christ is saying the, the Pharisees, they are in the position of Moses. So they were the priests. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Now this is critical, brothers and sisters, because what Christ is saying is their interpretation of the law is correct. But their lives don't correspond with their teaching. You see that? He said, whatever they're saying, do, but don't do what they're doing. You see that, brothers and sisters? Now, I pulled this right out on a Christian. Because Christians, when you say we follow the law, the first thing they'll say is you're a Pharisee. Okay, well, were the Pharisees right? <laughs> see, I'll take them right here. What Christ said, what? Read verse 3. Verse 3. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe. So he said, whatever they tell you to do, you, you observe it. That observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. See that? So he's saying, what they're saying is right, follow the law. But are they doing it themselves? No. So, brothers and sisters, especially Israel, don't become these guys. Don't become this sister. Don't become this brother. When you have the information, right? You know about the Sabbath. You know about all types of stuff. But your life is not one that's conducive or, or, or that works well with what? With Christ's doctrine. A person should be able to look at your life. Look at your, your dress code. All of this stuff. And say, okay, well I see. That's an ambassador for Christ. How you dress. How you act. How you smell. All of this matters. 
All of this matters. You have to know that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Titus, brother, because we showed you the hypocrisy first in Matthew 23 and 3. It showed you that the Pharisees knew the law, but they didn't follow it themselves. Don't become those guys. Let's go to Titus 1 and 10, brother Joshua. <clears throat> Titus 1, we'll read 10 and 11. Excuse me, 10, and then we'll jump to 16. Titus 1, verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Especially what, brother? They of the circumcision. So this text emphasizes that many are more given to talk than to the duties, brothers and sisters. And it said, read it one more time, brother. Verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. So look at that. He said, especially they of the circumcision. So this is and always will be a common occurrence amongst Israel. The circumcision represents the children of Israel. Why? Because there was a law, a ritual amongst the children of Israel to circumcise the male children on the eighth day. So when it, when it speaks of the circumcision, it's speaking of those who were under the law of circumcision. Hebrews, Israelites. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 10. This time, instead of saying circumcision, say Israel. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of Israel. So look at that. He's saying, listen, there's many Israelites <laughs> who have filthy mouths, vain talkers, and deceivers. Jump to verse 16, brother. Verse 16. They profess that they know God. We're reading the character of a hypocrite. What did it say? They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and on every good work reprobate. See, so teaching obedience while living in disobedience is what, brothers and sisters? It's universally condemned and therefore closely monitored. See, people hate that, and therefore, they keep their eye on that. See, brothers and sisters, in the midst of light, they walk still in darkness here. That's what a hypocrite does. And see, the world even hates that. That's why they're looking at you. Because if they see you slip, then they're going to say you're a hypocrite. <laughs> that's the first thing that's going to happen, see? He ain't better than me. He dealing with all this stuff while he acting like he deep. <laughs> See, guess what? No person is more odious to the Most High than what we're reading here. Titus is telling us our profession must be consistent with our conduct, brothers and sisters. Okay? Your, what, your profession, meaning what you claim your faith is, it must align with your conduct, brothers and sisters. Period. Let's go to Proverbs 20 and 11. Kingdom ambassadors, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his doing. By his what? His doings. Whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Now look at that. Because people are not who they say, but who their actions reveal them to be. Brothers and sisters. The practices of men are the index of their true character. 
the practices of them. Not what he's saying, but what he's doing. Even a child. Read that again, Brother Joshua. Verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be all. It be right, and whether it be what right. So look at that. Our our mm-hmm. authenticity, or lack thereof, is revealed by deeds, not words. Because a person will see you far before they hear you, brothers and sisters. So the actions of a person is the best interpreter of their mind. You understand, brothers and sisters. This should m- help you monitor your behavior. This should help you restrain your appetites. Understanding what's more important, me doing this sin or sharing the word of God? What's more important? Hmm? Because I tell you one thing, if a brother come to me drunk out of his mind and want to go into the Bible with me and act like he, you know, he knows some scriptures, I don't want to hear it, brother. I don't want to hear it. Okay? Because it's not working for you. So whatever you're dealing with, I don't want it. Let's go to Isaiah 29 and 13, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 29, verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is not by the precept of men, is taught by the precept of men. So here it is. Look at it closely because he's saying many of our people, the children of Israel, they honor me with lip service. Lip service is saying yes with your mouth, but no by your actions. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near with me, draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. So here it is, brothers and sisters. The Most High is looking for demonstration, not memorization, brothers and sisters. Why? Because some people only memorize scripture to regurgitate it rather than live it. Okay? Many of us walk around memorizing texts without it getting into the heart. Okay, brothers and sisters? Jump to verse 15, brother. Verse 15. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works that are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? Read that again, please, brother. Verse 15. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? Your life, brothers and sisters, is seen well before your voice is heard. Words do not impress the Most High if the speaker is not taking account of their meanings. See that, brothers and sisters? Memorization does not matter. Because why? Lucifer, Satan, in Matthew the fourth chapter, he memorized scripture. But he was using the scripture to break God's law. (laughs) See? So I had a brother, you know, once, you know, especially our people. Some of the Benjamites. You know, he comes, he's almost falling down, brothers and sisters. And I'm talking about the Bible, and he's like, he repeats back to me, John 3.16. While he's drunk, he's slurring and all this, brothers and sisters. And I'm like, 
memorization, not demonstration, brother. You know the Bible, but I mean, you look like you're about to fall on top of me right now, brother. The Most High is not looking for memorization. See, and that's sometimes a lot of our people in the beginning, we think if we could just memorize all these scriptures, we'll look deep. Listen, if you're trying to look deep, you haven't changed. Because it's not about trying to look deep. It's about changing from the inside out, brothers and sisters. It's not about memorization. It's about demonstration. Let's go to Psalms 50 and 16, Brother Joshua. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Psalms, the 50th chapter, the 16th through the 19th verse. Psalms 50, verse 16. But honor the wicked, God said. What hast thou to do to declare my statutes? That thou shouldest take my covenant in thy youth, in thy mouth, excuse me. Verse 17. Seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest the thief, then thou consented consented with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Now this is critical, brothers and sisters, because if you look at the 16th verse, Excuse me. Those who act as his mouthpiece yet refuse to submit will experience his wrath. Okay? Is the difference between somebody who's sharing the scripture, sharing the word, right? Telling you, well, yeah, brother, the Sabbath is, you know, Saturday and we shouldn't eat pork. But they're not following anything that God is telling them to do. Look at how, how disrespectful the Most High views that. Read verse 16 again, please, brother. Verse 16. But unto the wicked God has said, What hast thou to, de to do to declare my statutes? He's saying for you to be declaring my statutes, who do you think you are? Or that thou should take my covenant in thy mouth. He's saying, why are you even have my covenant in your mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and casteth my words behind thee. See, so he's saying the same people who hate my instruction when I'm telling them to do something are trying to teach the word to other people and seem deep. <laughs> he takes that as disrespectful, brothers and sisters. He's saying unto the wicked, what do you, I mean, what do you have to do with my statutes and commandments, with my covenant? Seeing that you yourself hate instruction. And when I give you instruction, you throw it behind you. When you saw thieves, you consented with them. Those were your friends. You didn't correct them about that, right? You hung out with adulterers. You hung out with coke dealers and dope dealers. People doing lines. You give your mouth to evil and deceit. Why? Because if you believe what was in the Bible, you would be following what's in the Bible. We're talking about being ambassadors of Christ. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke 11 and 39, brother. Luke chapter 11, verse 39. Luke 11 and 39. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Read that again, brother. The Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Look at that. <laughs> See, this is why they hated Christ, right? 
this is why they hated Christ because Christ will let you know, like, listen, many cleanse outwardly but ignore the contamination of the inward parts. So it's saying you look like, you know, you got the long, modest garments on, dressed in all the white and all this, but inside, hatred, envy, lying, thievery, all this is going on up under, you know, underneath your garments. Many people do this. Many of our people do this. Claiming to be the children of Israel, but hate white people. Hate African people. Brother, you ain't no real Israelite. You an Israelite by the flesh, but you ain't no real Israelite. Because Paul said, you're not an Israel, a Jew just by the flesh. You have to be a Jew inwardly also. Which means, yeah, our forefathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you have the spirit of a Gentile. If you hate white people or hate anybody, okay? Read those two scriptures again, brother, because according to what Christ is saying, many attend only to what's visible, while within they're filled with the fruits of wickedness. Luke 11, verse 39. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Ye fools, then not he that make that which is without make, that which is within also. So he said, you clean the outside of the cup, right? So he's saying, these people, they clean the outside of the cup while the inside still got milk and stuff in it from yesterday. Because they, they don't care about the inside. They care about what you're seeing. That's all they care about. So I'm bringing this out. So Israel, do not become this. Israel, do not become this. Yes, you have the law, but you have to deal with inside to be an ambassador. Because if you do what we're reading here, you're a terrible ambassador for Christ. And you're probably going to chase people away from the work. Because they're going to look at your life. They're going to look at how you speak. They're going to look at your clothing. They're going to look at your life and say, if that's the truth, I don't want it. Let's go to Luke 12 and 2, brother. And then we'll end it at 1 Peter 2 and 9. Luke 12, verse 2. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear and closets shall be proclaimed upon the house steps, the housetops. Brothers and sisters, no matter how careful a man may be to hide his vices, everything will be disclosed. Even those things we think are well hidden will be made known, brothers and sisters. That's what he's saying, okay? Every hidden desire, every lust, every passion will ultimately reveal itself. That's what, that's what Christ was dropping here. Nothing shall be covered. All things shall be revealed. Nothing hid. Whatever you're doing in the darkness shall be manifested in the light. What do you do in the darkness? Who you are when nobody's looking, that's really who you are. That's character. That's your character. So in order to be an ambassador for the kingdom, an ambassador for Christ, you have to deal with the inside. It's not just about knowing text. You have to hide his word in your heart. 
We're going to end it at 1 Peter 2 and 9, brothers and sisters. I'm going to end it off in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Brothers and sisters, we are the kingdom ambassadors for Christ. We are the priesthood. We are the peculiar people. And guess what? People should be able to look at your life and say, that's Christ right there. I'm learning Christ there. And I want to I want to I want to know how can I learn to be like what I'm seeing. That is your responsibility for those who have the truth. This is for Jew or Gentile. For those of us who have the truth. You've read this whole lesson is about what your responsibility is now with that truth because 95% of the people walking past you have never had the opportunity to learn what you learned so now you have that light you have to do what you have to distribute that light brothers and sisters and it's not just about you going into scripture most of it is about your life how you conduct yourself because why your life must ma match up first before they allow you to teach them anything. So we hope that this lesson, brothers and sisters, did what? Show the responsibility that all of us, um, especially the children of Israel, had placed upon our shoulders. Today's lesson, kingdom ambassadors, the ambassadors for Christ. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.